WNYC Studios is brought to you by Zbiotics. Seize the day after a night of drinks with Zbiotics pre-alcohol probiotic drink. Zbiotics was invented by PhD scientists to break down the byproduct of alcohol, which is most responsible for making you feel crummy the next day. Drink Zbiotics before your first drink, drink responsibly, and you'll wake up refreshed and ready to take on the day. Try it for yourself at zbiotics.com/wnyc and get 15% off your first order when you use WNYC at checkout. That's zbiotics.com/wnyc and use the code WNYC at checkout for 15% off. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. It's the Brian Lehrer TV Club. We are watching the final season of Parks and Recreation together for the fun of it. And because it's the wonkiest, nerdiest, public policy-loving sitcom with Amy Poehler you would ever want to see. And today we even get to ask, might Amy succeed Jon Stewart on The Daily Show? But before we get to that... One final season storyline that has emerged in the last two weeks is that Leslie's husband, Ben, is now running for Congress, which leaves the accomplished Ms. Nope in the rarely enviable position of being the candidate's wife, taking advice from a political strategist. Things are about to get real intense. Leslie, you ready? Me, Leslie? Yeah. Well, I was an actual candidate, so I think I can handle being a candidate's wife. I know all the issues inside and out. Mm, See, that's the problem. Being the wife of is a minefield. If you were just a ding-dong, I would just slap a flag pin on you, I'd pour some Valium down your throat and just shove you behind the podium, way upstage. It's the Smarties that freak people out. I think you're underestimating the voters. <laughs> I don't think that is possible. <laughs> well, underestimating the voters, maybe. Underestimating the media, well, that's hard to do, especially when Leslie decides to skip a traditional pie-baking event for candidates' wives called the Pie-Mary. The media descends. Mr. Wyatt, your campaign released a schedule, and it looks like your wife is skipping the Pie-Mary. Care to explain? The Pie-Mary is a Southern Indiana tradition where congressional candidates' wives face off in a pie-baking contest. The last contest winner was June Hartwell's Buttermilk Meringue. Last contest loser was all women. Leslie would be the first candidate's wife not to enter the primary. What kind of a statement are you making by skipping it? We're, I'm not making any kind of statement. We're just focusing on bigger issues, like Ben's $150 million revitalization project. Pardon me, I need to get through. Pardon me, excuse me. Mike Patterson here. Leslie, you've made it pretty clear that you don't think homemaking is important. Do you ever cook for your children? And who's even watching your children right now while you're out God only knows where? What are you talking about? I'm standing right here in front of you. Okay, take it easy. Let's not get emotional. Okay, we have to run. We'll see you all at my economic address. Thanks for coming, everybody. What other traditions are you against, Leslie? Baseball? Hugging your children? How much did that haircut cost? None of your business, and thank you for noticing. Uh, is it really that hard? Let's talk about the show and the lovely experience of being a candidate's spouse or a partner with NPR TV critic Linda Holmes, who's joining us weekly for this series. And today, New York Times correspondent Jody Cantor, who knows a thing or two about candidates' wives. She is author of the book, The Obamas. Hi, Linda. Hi, Jody. Hi. Hello. Jody, I guess the classic here is Hillary Clinton 
who once upon a time in 1992 said, I could have stayed home and baked cookies and had teas, but what I decided to do was fulfill my profession. How much was that a seminal moment in candidate whiffery? Oh, it was a seminal moment. But I will say that watching that episode, I I did feel the humor was a little bit dated because the moment we're talking about with Hillary Clinton happened in 1992. And I think things have and have not gotten better since then. Where they've gotten better is that if you look below the presidential level, you absolutely have candidates and um, officeholders' wives um, and husbands doing a far more um, diverse, you know, freer um, array of jobs, mm-hmm. life roles, et cetera, et cetera. If you look at the governor of um, California, Jerry Brown, his wife is this sort of supercharged, uh, brainy character who's quite involved um, in his administration. If you look at Jill Biden, um, the of course the vice president's wife, she actually still teaches uh, community college. Um, and, you know, has managed to sort of retain her career. Mm-hmm. Where that really breaks down and where the episode really resonated for me is when we talk about first ladies, because first ladies can't have jobs. They just can't. It becomes way too complicated. And so, you know, they're kind of the only women left in America who can't work because of a social taboo yeah. against it. And so our first ladies just end up trapped in amber, and they're the ones who kind of move most resemble the kind of, you know, um, caricatures in some ways of, of political wives. And even a, a woman like Michelle Obama, who is so contemporary and of the moment uh, in every way, is stuck in a very old-fashioned prism. Here's that eight real-life seconds of Hillary Clinton from 1992. I suppose I could have stayed home and baked cookies and had teas, but I, what I decided to do was to fulfill my profession, which I entered before my husband was in public life. She was... Uh, Pretty, pretty in your face at that moment. She was sounding a little defensive. It's not just the words, Jody, but Michelle Obama was also a career woman and, as you say, um, does not work now. And she also has plenty of opinions about the issues. Do you think she learned from the Hillary experience to be a candidate's wife or at least a presidential candidate's wife? You made that distinction in a certain way? Absolutely. Um, you could... One of the many ways of describing uh, Michelle Obama's time uh, in office, and especially the early years, um, was that you could sort of trace her actions according to, you know, a pretty clear plan to avoid um, falling into the pitfalls that Hillary Clinton did. Uh, You know, the thing about Michelle Obama's time in office is that she has learned to exploit the role. She has learned that Um, There's this kind of paradox of being first lady where she is most politically effective when she says things like, I'm just the mom in chief. And, Mm. you know, I'm really just focused on on school lunch and on um, what's going to happen to the next generation of our kids, et cetera, et cetera. So is that is that is that BS? Well, I. It's both very canny um, 
political strategy in that in our crazy partisan environment, um, these spouses are much more effective if they can stay out of the partisan uh, fray and not kind of get labeled with the political negativity yeah. that, that we often attach to candidates or presidents. But it, it, it is BS is your word, not mine. Um, but it's BS in the sense that um, in public, she kind of plays someone who doesn't have a strong take on the issues or what's going on inside the administration or on the political environment. And of course, that is not true. I mean, yeah. the woman is a not only a Harvard-trained lawyer, but um, you know, a, a sort of eyewitness who has a view that um, none of us have on what's happening. Yeah. I mean, what kind of you know? It's a, the line about the Valium was very funny. I mean, you would have to have you would have to have had a lobotomy to be in the middle of the <laughs> action in the way that a first lady. Um, right. does and not have an interesting and strongly developed view on what's going on. Interesting. And, yeah, when I said before that um, she she used to be a career woman, my producer said, no, she's still a career woman. She may not be a hospital administrator anymore like she was, but now her career is being first lady. So we'll get to Linda in a second. The fun continues on Parks and Rec as Ben and Leslie watch the coverage of her on TV and then come to a politically incorrect decision. Now, June, we all know what Ben Wyatt's wife is really saying. By skipping the primary, she's saying women who love their families are stupid. Mike, we all make certain choices. Ms. Nope chose to try to have it all. I chose to put my family first. Oh, I'm just speculating here, but do you think that Leslie Nope's actions indicate that she actually hates her family? Well, it only took three hours for Jen to be right. I'm officially a distraction. I'm going to enter that primary. I'm going to enter that primary. Yes, after being protested by the anti-feminist right, Leslie will now bake pies to support her husband's run for Congress, which brings a protest visit to Leslie's living room by her friend, the local women's group organizer. Leslie, we were thrilled to find out you were boycotting that ridiculous primary, but we just got word you've decided to enter? Yeah, well, I agree that it's dumb, but this is not about me, it's about Ben. And he will do more for women than Hartwell. So, you know, lose a battle, win the war, that kind of thing. It's the way to go. Look, the primary is retrogressive and misogynistic, and if you participate, we will have no choice but to protest you and Ben at the event. Hope you like pies. In your face. Metaphorically, will be civil. Elise, there is no bigger defender of gender equality than Leslie Nope. And my husband, Ben, is a progressive champion of women's rights. Babe, the oven's ready. Chop, chop. Time to get bacon. Daddy want pie. Hi, Ben Wyatt. <laughs> so Linda Holmes, NPR TV critic, besides being just a very funny scene, here is Parks and Rec, a show with a liberal and feminist premise, poking fun at a women's group. How much have they done that over the years? I mean, I think I don't know how many times they've specifically addressed themselves to women's groups, but I think it's one of the most sophisticated uh, shows on television about not just being a candidate's wife, but being a woman in the public eye. And I think um, although some of the humor in the episode is is about being a congressional candidate's wife. There are so many things in this episode that are so sophisticated and thoughtful. Uh -huh. um, the, the comment to her about don't get emotional, the stuff right. about respecting tradition, the stuff about are you trying to have it all, um, being asked about her hair. There's nothing dated about being asked about your hair. Um, so, I, I mean, I think they have always had a, a, an intense interest in exploring 
you know, what it's like to be a, a woman like Leslie. And then they come up with their clever compromise. They will attend the pie, Mary, but Ben will bake a pie. I missed if that was in addition to or instead of Leslie baking. Uh, but then the women's groups aren't the only ones upset. Ben and Leslie get protested at the event by a men's rights group after he gets introduced here to present his calzone pie. Let's see what Mrs. Wyatt has baked up for us, shall we? It's actually Ms. Nope, and actually right now it's Mr. Wyatt. Leslie has her own busy life, and I happen to be an excellent pie maker, so we figured we'd switch it up a bit. Now pack your suitcases, because we're going to a little town called Napoli in Italy. Free Ben Wyatt! Free Ben Wyatt! Excuse me, free me from what? From the tyranny of women. We are the male men. We are a men's rights activist group, and we are fed up. I'm sorry, what's happening now? Behind every successful woman is a man she has oppressed. First, Leslie Nope poaches her husband's campaign by making it all about her. Now she's forcing him to bake pies and enter a contest for her? Oh, wait, excuse me. I'm not forcing him to do anything. He loves to cook. He, he has five personalized aprons. Oh, so I guess he was asking for it because of the way he was dressed? We are sick and tired of this feminized society. Men have had a very rough go of it for just recently, and it ends now. Male and proud. Male and proud. Male and proud. A very tough go of it for just recently. That was pretty hilarious, Linda, even to think of scripting <clears throat> such a fringy thing as a men's rights group. Did you laugh out loud? I did. Um, but at the same time, you know, men's rights groups are a, are a real thing and hearing more about them is a real thing. And it's it's pretty amazing how a, a comedy uh, like this tried to get its arms around in 22 or 23 minutes, tried to get its arms around gender politics in the 21st century in a pretty, uh, pretty remarkably broad way. Yeah. And not to overlook the elephant in the room, Jody Cantor, there may be a certain candidate's husband in the picture in the 2016 race, and maybe more than one. But how do you think the script gets flipped when Bill, not Hillary, is the spouse? Well, I'll tell you my fantasy, which is that when we have a first female president, um, whether it's Hillary Clinton or somebody else eventually gets there, and let's assume uh, that uh, that woman is married, let's assume that she's married to a man for a second, my hope for that man, and I'm going to be watching, is that um, this is the person in American history who finally is able to hit the reboot button on what we expect from um, uh, politician spouses, uh, because the, my and it's complicated with the Clintons, obviously, because Bill Clinton is a former president himself. But my hope is that. Um, having a man have to do some of these ceremonial things, really, really old-fashioned um, events that the, the Mrs. Obama and her staff almost openly roll their eyes at some of the sort of international hosting that first ladies have to do. These oh, kind of uh -huh. um, at the G8 and the G7, they have these. Um, they have these events for the spouses that really feel like they come from the 1950s. And it's hilarious because um, Angela's, uh, Merkel's husband always gets invited, and I think he, he almost never goes. Um, and so the hope is that 
by having a man have to do these things, it'll almost highlight how retrograde grade they are. Mm. Um, and that man will be able to shatter the mold and yeah. write a little bit more yeah. of his own script right. about, the, you know, what he women... wants to do with this weird, you know, it's weird because it, on the one hand, it really is kind of a job. But on the other hand, um, you're not paid for it. Um, and so hopefully that man can take on the responsibility of sort of reformulating this role. And then the next woman who does it will be that much freer to yeah, say, you know, oh, okay, I'm going to interpret the, this yes. in my own way. Right. So um, Linda Holmes, Amy Poehler for The Daily Show. Hey, it works for me. I have no idea whether that's a job that she would want, but uh, I, I certainly would watch. And she did Weekend Update for a while on Saturday Night Live, so sure. Is there a short list that you know of, a Twitter favorite, anything yet? Oh, people are kicking around a lot of names. Uh, people love Jessica Williams, who's on The Daily Show right now, but uh -huh. she's very, very young and doesn't have a ton of experience. Um, but, you know, people kick around names like Tina Fey. I saw somebody yesterday talk about Chris Rock. I mean, there are there are plenty of, of possibilities, and I don't think anybody knows whether they're going to look outside or promote somebody from within, like Jason Jones or Samantha Bee or one of their correspondents. And Bob Simon, before we run out of time in a minute, I just want to make sure I say his name out loud. He's been a guest on this show to talk about some of his war reporting and being held in captivity, luckily before ISIS, four Peabody Awards, 27 Emmys. He's been through all those wars, and then he dies on the West Side Highway when his cab driver has a heart attack. Go figure. But, Linda, with the Brian Williams parachute journalism, fake danger war correspondent puffery in the headlines— what a contrast! Yeah, it's been a um, it's it's been a week that I think has led a lot of people to think a lot about journalism and and about what they want from journalism and the the intersection with with personality and image and things like that. It's it's really been a lot to take in in a week. Jody Cantor, twenty seconds to deconstruct the impact of John Stewart leaving the Daily Show on the actual twenty sixteen election. My guess, my you know, just. Um, totally uninformed surmise, is that he didn't have it in him to go through another election cycle, and that's why he's leaving now. I worry a little bit about the accountability mechanism because I feel like he did, he exerted such a powerful influence, and um, knowing you would get ripped apart on Jon Stewart if you did um, certain things. If you look at a great article by my um, colleague Jeremy Peters in today's paper about, about John Stewart's relationship with politicians, it's clear that they knew every single thing that yeah. he was saying about yeah. them. We have to so, leave it so there. With, with Jody, him gone. Jody Cantor, New York Times correspondent, author of The Obamas, Linda Holmes, NPR TV critic. That's our Parks and Rec Brian Lehrer TV club for this week.